Alrighty. The voice of the bears. Archangel's promise joins me. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Good. And <clears throat> this is basically going to be a question and answer with you and I, basically. I ask you stuff, and, you know, we ask stuff, and go back and forth. Okay. And, Luther, where are you talking to me from? I'm talking to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. I don't know if you've actually been to this part of the country. It's been a while. Been to Nashville, actually. It's been quite a while since I've been down there. Oh, really? When did you first decide that you wanted to be an actual broadcaster telling the stories of athletes? Uh, when did I decide I wanted to be a broadcaster? Yeah, when did you when did you decide to be a broadcaster and want to tell the stories of yeah. athletes who you cover and things like that? For Pro you, probably when I was in early high school, I just had a great interest in sports and and in the media, and I kind of made a you know not only paid attention to the athletes at that time, but to the broadcasters and how they went about their business. Uh, so I majored in broadcast journalism in college, and uh, I've, I've been doing it ever since. Who were the broadcasters when you were growing up that you paid attention to radio or TV side? I know you I know you preferably would rather have done radio, which you still do, but who were like radio and TV guys that you followed and said, wow, these are the guys that I want to be? Yeah, I mean, back in those days, uh, Kurt Gowdy was the, the, the big guy on, on national sports. Uh, he would have most of the things. But, uh, you know, Jack Buck. Definitely Jack Buck. Loved that uh, guy. Radio, there was a guy named Gene Elston who was the Houston Astros broadcaster, and I liked his style. So uh, there, there were a number of them. Uh, I, I wouldn't say just really one or two in particular. I guess they probably, due to the fact that they brought their own unique style, which allowed them to actually do the job. Right. Like one of the biggest reasons why you enjoyed what listening to them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the, the just the basic structure of how they presented the information. And, and yeah, then radio, that style comes into play maybe a little more than TV because of the absence of pictures. Mm -hmm. And that's where you have to be more descriptive and, and unique, maybe, than uh, than you do on TV. Now, how did you get the Missouri State job? I think you just completed, what, your 41st year, I guess, if my math is right? That's 40th, yeah. 40, somewhere in there. Yeah. 1980. But in 1980, when you <clears throat> became the lead voice... Were you just the voice of football and basketball and no baseball, yeah. or are you still? Yeah. Or were there three sports that you still do now? Uh, it was football and basketball, and uh, Missouri State was Southwest Missouri State then, and it was a Division Two school. KTMO. Um, for a while. Well, uh, KWTO was the. No KWTO. Yeah. Okay. Now, so I remember uh, they had it on KTMO for a little bit when it was only a 15 minute preview. Show. show. Well, so, I mean, the first station I worked for was KGBX here in Springfield. They had the rights to the Bears games. Oh. 
and I got hired at age 21 to be their sports director. So that involved not only doing daily sports casts, but, but doing the Bears football and basketball games. So I started doing that when I was 21 years old. And they already had a guy that had been doing the games since the early 50s. Uh, so he was oh, yeah. in his 50s by then. But uh, he and I did the games together for four years. And we just got along great and had a great relationship. Uh, and then actually, I, I moved to Dallas for four years and worked in that market because I'd gone to college in Dallas and had, had gotten to know some people, kept up some contacts. But in 1985, we moved back to Springfield because by then the university had moved up to Division One. It was a more attractive situation, and I've been here ever since. Was that a tough call when you had to leave Missouri State as a number two to go to Dallas, or did you feel like well, you had to figure, or you feel, or did you figure, okay, I had to leave Missouri for a while, go to a bigger market, and then. If the job came back open again, come back and reapply for it and yeah, stay here. It was because I had grown to love Springfield and the university so much and met and married my wife and really in four years here got very deeply involved in the community. Uh, but the circumstances had changed. Uh, mm-hmm. KGBX dropped sports. <clears throat> I went to a different station in Springfield. That was not as good a situation. And that really oh, wow. was the impetus uh, to, to get me looking. Uh, and person in Dallas had kind of kept an eye out for me, and uh, he told me about this opening. And, and so I was able to get that. And even though we only stayed four years, that really was uh, a, a good thing of personal and career growth uh, to, to get out of my comfort zone and get to a major market and do the things there and show myself that I could do them. Uh, and, and my wife and I to uh, you know make new friends and kind of relocate. But like I say, then w- when we had our first child, uh, a whole lot of things uh, came together that year, and, and we made the decision to come back uh, because then the university hired me to work for them in the athletic department and do the games. Like I say, now they're Division One, whereas they've been Division Two before. So. Uh, that was, I mean, we, I, I sometimes still look back and think, what if we'd stayed in Dallas? But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we don't regret at all the decision to come back. Obviously, it's, it's worked out very well ever since. What was the broadcast equipment like from when you started to when you left to when you came back? Well, not, is the voice of the team. It, it wasn't too different but between 1981 and 85. I mean, uh, it was by today's standards pretty primitive, you know. We just, uh, and and everybody did. I mean, we all we had were telephone lines. Oh yeah, I remember listening to those games on telephone line in the nineties. Yeah, so just old-fashioned, uh, hopefully equalized telephone lines, and then ISDN became really popular there for about ten years, uh, to where that was a, a definite upgrade on uh, on just a phone line. And we never used that at, at Missouri State. We, we still just used the plain old phone lines, but the, the big revolution was digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I say it's probably been just in the last six or seven years. I mean, now we, we had, we had, uh, we had equipment uh, that used the phone line, but give you pretty close to studio quality going back to probably 2000. 
but about the last six or seven years now, we've gone entirely digital to where we don't use phone lines. Uh, we're just over the internet. We, we punch in an IP address at the radio station and instantly connects, and, and that is our means of transmission. So uh, you get studio quality, and uh, now you know you, you think it, you shouldn't have dropout, but sometimes you do based on, we had that happen at the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament just a week ago. Yeah, I, I remember when I was listening to the Northern, to Jerry Rima in Northern Iowa, they had the internet and some of the power at Press Robo out. Yeah, we didn't have that, but uh, I was uh, on the first day at the same position as uh, Mike Reese, Southern Illinois, and he warned me that uh, he, he got uh, disconnected twice. Oh, wow. And uh, I've got a, uh, uh, from the radio station here, and I mean, I, it's kind of complicated. Most of the equipment belongs to Learfield, which is uh, the agent for the university, and, and just about every school in the country now uses Learfield. Yeah, Learfield IMG College is but, now one, being but, one, in, one entity now. But the radio station here in town, that's our flagship, provides me with this uh, Verizon portable tower to where I can pretty well, anywhere there's a Verizon signal, I, I can. I, it's like I bring my own internet. So that's what I did in St. Louis that first day. I just, uh, rather than be hardwired into the arena, which was not uh, holding up, I, I used the Verizon tower and had no problem. But uh, you know that that's our backup to be able to uh, to get uh, online whenever we need to. Has Missouri State always been in the Missouri Valley Conference? Because I was thinking about this before we started. The Missouri Valley Conference, when it's made the NCAA tournament has held their own against the big boys of the Power Five, especially Northern Iowa one year when they knocked out Kansas right. from the round of 32. Right. Uh, we've been in the Missouri Valley since 1990-91, so exactly 30 years. And in 99, uh, we went to the Sweet 16, beating Tennessee and Wisconsin along the way. Uh, so we went to, uh, to New York, uh, to New Jersey, to the old... Nats Arena there in New Jersey and played Duke, mm -hmm. which was number lines. one seed, and did things to them. But that's uh, that's the only time we've been to the Sweet Sixteen. And then when you guys do when you do football, I guess what's the difference with the sound quality compared to when you're doing football to when you're doing basketball? Well, we use the same equipment. Uh, for and, and baseball too, for that matter. Uh, ah, okay. it, it's the same equipment, um, so shouldn't be any real difference in sound quality or uh, the, the means of, of transmission. It's not a different person works with me for football and for basketball and for baseball, but everything else is the same. And your title is director and broadcaster. Mm -hmm. Not really. I mean, my title is a marketing specialist in the Department of Marketing and Communications. I'm, I'm not really even in the athletic department uh, as a full-time job. So, like, what is your role, even though you're not in the athletics department? Like, uh, I'm in charge. What all entails of that? Yeah, I'm in charge of the licensing program for the university, so uh, making sure our federally registered logos and word marks are properly used. Uh, and again, uh, Learfield IMG College is the uh, partner that we have for that. It's two different, you got the licensing side and you got the media side. 
and we've been a Learfield media school for um, oh, a number of years. Uh, we went from IMG to Learfield on the licensing side, and then when they merged, uh, now it's all one entity anyway. But uh, they they uh, they capture the royalties that we earn for anything with our name, likeness, logos on it. Uh, they enforce if anybody you know uh, unauthorized bootleg, wrong use of the logos or anything. That they've got an enforcement mechanism that tries to take care of that, and then we try to promote our our uh, goods out in the retail marketplace. You know, just both for visibility for Missouri State and also for the the royalty revenue that that generates. What was it like going to the Super Regionals against Arkansas and Fayetteville a couple of years ago? Well, uh, and and we went uh, we went to Super Regionals twice here in a, in a three year span. Really? In 2015, you're probably talking about when we hosted the regional and won it, and then we went to Fayetteville for the Super Regional and lost to them two games to one. That was really a memorable weekend. I mean, they, they routed us the, the first day and beat our ace pitcher. And uh, talking to their people afterwards in the restaurants that night, it's, oh, you know, y'all had a bad game. You'll, you'll, you'll bounce back. Well, the next day, yeah, we bounced back. We beat them the next day. And they weren't so nice uh, that, that, that Saturday night. <laughs> <now> <laughs> I can say not. <laughs> the next day, and they beat us 3-2 to two in the championship game. Uh, but and, every, two, and as we... Go ahead. And as we know, whatever sports you're in, every game tells its own story. You don't keep the same storyline. Right. So we got crushed on Friday. We beat him on Saturday with a really good pitcher who's still in the Red Sox organization. And they had Andrew Benintendi, and I think he went one for five with three strikeouts. Uh, and then they beat us three to two on Sunday. So then two years later, we went back for the regional at Fayetteville, and we won the region. Uh, we, we beat Oklahoma State on a walk-off home run the first day, and then we ended up beating Arkansas. Uh, in the finals, so that was sweet revenge uh, on their field <laughs> to win that. Yeah, but unfortunately, when you got the supers, it probably didn't go so great. Granted, TCU, and that was a good experience. Um, you know, I know a lot of people in the Dallas Fort Worth area, so to get back there. But uh, unfortunately, we didn't uh, didn't do very well in the two games. When you get the chance to visit with your Missouri Valley Conference broadcast brother and. What does it mean to you since you've been around, like, the voice of Illinois State and the voice of Southern Illinois and all the other people that have been around for a while? Does it feel like old homecoming week, or yeah, does it change, like, every year? Uh, no, I mean, the there's several of us that have been at it a long time. <laughs> and in 2006, the Valley had its centennial celebration. Really? And they had a gala on a Sunday afternoon at a theater in downtown St. Louis and brought back a lot of the old uh, people from the league history, including Oscar Robertson. That was there. Wow. Cincinnati was in the Valley back when he played. And Larry Bird did not come, but Oscar did. And, of course, Jackie Stiles from our school and Ed McCauley from St. Louis University was alive then. And 
they'd been in the valley for many years. So that was really a nice day. And they had the four long-time play-by-play guys kind of break up the uh, interviewing and emceeing duties. And that was myself and Mike Reese and Dave Snell from Bradley and Mike Kennedy from Wichita State. Of course, they were in the league at that time. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then I'd throw in uh, Rima. I mean, he's only been maybe 25 years (laughs) at his school. And And what about uh, the other guy, Dick? Dick um, Ludke. Yeah, him. Illinois State. I mean, he's yeah. he's been now. He he had a hiatus there, and that <clears throat> he got out for a few years and uh, pursued his full time job at State Farm, which is based in Bloomington, Ooh. Illinois. Right. He works in their corporate office, or did. Uh, so he was probably out for five years, and they mm-hmm. went through several other people, and then he got back in. So uh, I mean, that's kind of like me because I. I long time ago had the four years in Dallas and then got back so uh, that that's the thing uh, really at these jobs people tend to hold on to them for a long time and uh, then Brian Fritz at Indiana State he's uh, uh, he's he's been there a good number of years too now, I've not heard of, I've not heard of an Indiana State broadcast on TuneIn but I've heard your work on TuneIn and when I've gotten a chance to listen to it and same thing with Mike Reese and Illinois State as well. Yeah. So I've, I've listened to a few teams in the Missouri Valley and I've gotten the opportunity. But do you feel like you're, do you feel like you have a style that's all your own? Do you feel like you still draw on the old guard of the broadcast fraternity that was before you? You know, I, I think I think when I do baseball, Denny Matthews of the Royals comes out because I've just heard him do baseball for so many years. I just think that's how it's supposed to be done. Um, uh, Sometimes he'll throw in little wordplay or puns. Uh, His home run call is Vin Scully's home run call is my home run call because there's nobody better than Vin Scully. Um, So just little subtleties. uh, I I think I've... I mimic Denny Matthews. Now, football and basketball, I think probably I, I have my own style with those. What's your basic game prep for, like, different sports? And I know with uh, everything with the virus going on, which canceled pretty much everything in basketball, but what would normal game prep be for football, basketball, or baseball? Well, football... Um I learned in an early age, you know, to make a, a spotting chart of both teams. And, I mean, I, I keep, let's say, Missouri State, that's the team I work for. So I, right. I I keep that year. I just make one. And then I'll it'll look terrible by the end of the year because I've, I've written and, uh, and X'd out. And, you know, sometimes I'll put stuff over where I've X'd out. But it's essentially the same one. Players get hurt and different people start and all that. But I've... I've got the offense and defense on either side, and then I prepare one for the opposing team every week. I try to do that as early in the week as I can, at least lay out the. And I've got them. I mean, and there are there are uh, online deals now that most people do that. Uh, there are uh, formats that they can go to and type it up online. I still handwrite them uh, like I always have, so I've got years and years and years of these things that I can go back and refer to if I need to. But it's basically the offense and defense uh, and key reserves of our team and the other team 
and record scores, uh, you know, pertinent stats about the teams and the individuals, the coaches, how many years they've been there, what their record is, just some historical notes there to put things in perspective. And then the trick is to draw on those at the right time during the game. You're not just reciting random stats, but mm-hmm. if a situation comes up that you've got something there to kind of make that point stronger that, you know, this team's really been giving up a lot of yards on the ground, but, but they're, they're doing a lot better today. And, and then you'll have numbers to back that up. And so those are, those are hey. No this one of those you, when you do football and basketball and baseball is there anything since you've been doing this for so long that still kind of catches you off guard a little bit that you may not have been prepared or ready for oh sure I mean that that happens uh, we, we played Wichita State <coughs> years ago in the conference tournament and you know what you have to go on are the the, the notes and the stat sheets and you talk to people and uh, Wichita State brought this guy in off the bench that I didn't even have on my sheet and I've usually you know if anybody's played more than 10 minutes he's on there well it was right. this Ron Baker guy this blonde flop haired guy from western Kansas uh, Mr. Baker who yeah we, we pretty much know who he is now <laughs> but he's been hurt all year uh, since early in the season. Well, they busted him out on us at the conference tournament, and he, uh, he, he beat us that day. So I was a little wow. caught off, off guard by that. Uh, but, you know, with headsets on, sometimes you miss PA announcements. Isn't it? Yeah, I, I've, I've had that happen in high school because when I've done high school basketball, <clears throat> it can kind of be hectic because I'm trying to keep an ear on my spotter who's helping me out and I'm also trying to make sure that I got all the pertinent information myself because I only just keep a notebook in both rosters. Yeah, but I mean, there'll be so, a pitching change. I mean, it's it's evident if there's a pitching change during the inning, but maybe there's a new pick mm-hmm. to start the inning and, you know, I'm doing a read or looking at something and I look up and I <clears> didn't realize there's a new pitcher in. The, the previous guy was right-handed, the next guy's right-handed and you know, so, so just really concentrating on that. And the thing is, I'm wondering, like, when did you start doing your sports show, and how long have you been doing the sports show? Or did that start with you being in Texas before coming back to Springfield? Yeah, I, I did a, a 30-minute sports talk show in Springfield on KGBX, probably in 1978, 9, and 80. And then when I was in Dallas, I was the fill-in, kind of the backup uh, on a similar show, which was from 6 to 7 in the evening. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, you know, a couple days a month, or if, if Brad Sham was the, and he's still the voice of the Cowboys to this day, mm-hmm. he was the primary host of the show, so... Uh, you know, I would I would be the fill-in host on that. And then uh, back here since 1995, I've been doing that uh, afternoon show on KWTO. So that's going on 25 years of that. Did you take the same format that you did when you started in Texas to carry over to now, or did you have to mm. tweak anything? Uh, well, pretty much the same, and in that. 
uh, you know, you kind of do headlines of the day to start out, kind of like the, the groundwork. These are the big stories of the day in sports nationally, locally. And you can editorialize a little bit about that because that's the kind of show. And then you open up phone lines and you have guests is sprinkled in there, too. So I find some nights in Springfield, even now, that it's challenging to do a two-hour show if phone isn't ringing or at least not ringing enough. So I try to have, and then it's a delicate balance. You know, okay, I have guests. Well, once the guests, I'm done with the guests, that may have killed the, the, the show as far as phone calls are concerned. So you kind of have to have a mix of, of guests and, 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 and callers. Uh, and if if you have neither, then I'm just talking until the phone rings or until the show ends. So I I prefer <laughs> to have something to someone to talk to besides me just babbling. What are your thoughts from the basketball season with former TSU head coach Dana Ford? When you first met him, what were your overall thoughts compared to now? Now that he's finished up, what is it, year three or four? Two. Really? two. He's just two. Two years. Uh, well, fantastic when I first met him, and I still think that of him as a person. I mean, he is just, uh, uh, he gets it. He, he's, he's a cool guy. He's very authentic. Uh, he's very transparent. He's easy to interview. I mean, most of our coaches have been, with a couple of exceptions, but they understand you got a job to do, and kind of after, after they've been coaching a while, you hopefully it becomes instinctual that you you know kind of what the interviewer needs from you and 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 that's to communicate something to the fans to the, the listeners so he, he's he's as good a coach to work with as i've ever had final couple of questions for you because i know i've held you way more than you know i expected to but thank you for being gracious with your time yeah no problem and hopefully we might be able to do this again hopefully yeah um, <clears throat> of all the coaches you've had to work with over the years with Missouri State, <clears throat> who are your favorites and why? Like, what different things for different coaches that you've worked with in all your sports that you've dealt with at Missouri State, do you feel like you've dealt with better than others, and what did they bring to you that you felt like you've learned from them? Yeah, uh, well, of course, one of the not way, way when I was here the first time, but since I've right. been back in 85, Charlie Spoonhour was... The late Spoon. Yeah, I mean, and interestingly, just this weekend, somebody sent me a video of one of his uh, routines that he, I mean, he would practically do, it wasn't really stand-up comedy, but it was pretty much the same, because he would be telling these folksy <laughs> stories about his early coaching career in high school, and the circumstances he was under, and the these wild names, Rooster this, and, you know, Rooster Marnie or whatever, Doyle Swindle. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, he was just so funny, but he was a heck of a coach. And uh, our post-game radio uh, sometimes just gold, and it wasn't because of me. I mean, I was <laughs> I was the, uh, the straight guy, and, and he just hit him over the fence. Do you, do, you still, do you still have any of that audio? Uh, or do you still go back to it from time to time? You still have it. Uh, you know, I've got a bunch of old cassettes that some of that is on, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, he was he was fantastic. And then jumping to the present with, with Dana. I mean, at Steve Alford is 
I mean, he was a really good communicator, and he's the one that really got coaches' shows going. We didn't do those until he got here. And he's, you know, why aren't we doing a radio show? So now we do that for football and basketball. Uh, uh, on, on the football side, uh, Terry Allen was our coach two coaches ago, and we got to be very close friends, very good communicator. Uh, Jesse Branch was our coach the last time we were very good, and that was a long time ago. But uh, had two back-to-back playoff teams, and we're still very good friends. He's still very involved, even though he's retired now, living in Arkansas. Uh, he really? got back two or three times a year. So for you, what do you feel like when you finally decide to hang up that set? What do you feel like you want your broadcast legacy and your legacy as a person to be? Well, people remember you. Yeah, I hope that people will think I treated them well, that I treated people well, that I was polite and respectful uh, to callers and uh, and to listeners. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, with the coaches, that we're, we're talking with each other, but the reason we're doing that is to inform the listeners. So uh, I, I hope people will think that I was... Uh, kind and respectful, but also professional uh, in representing the university. I, I really think it's important to have a, a lot of passion for what you do, and, uh, and and I think that comes across in my broadcast for the Bears and, and what we've done with the Chiefs, so I uh, just hope, hope they think I was a good person and a professional at, uh, at my jobs. Yeah, I was going to get to the Chiefs, but I know I probably kept you more than expected, because I know you've been getting texts and a few other things that probably going to get back to handling your business from home most likely about Missouri State and keeping an eye on what the Missouri Valley is going to do and whenever your broadcast schedule probably gets back going again whenever that is but do you feel like you're going to be back with the Chiefs even though they've switched to the flagship station? Well that's looking good just since the day before yesterday really Uh, I, I did not expect to have an opportunity to continue because of the switch and the fact that the uh, the new rights holder has an all sports station, mm-hmm. they've got plenty of people to do what I do. <clears throat> but uh, uh, there there may be an opportunity after all. So uh, I'll uh, that that's unofficial at this point. Right. And I'll, I, I, I didn't want to ask anything that was not official or you know yeah, anything but, like that because I, I know with contracts and the fluidity and everything else things can change. Yeah. But that that may be. I mean if. Well, I, I kind of kissed that goodbye, and I thought what a way to go out was to win the Super Bowl on our last broadcast. But yeah, I was going to ask you about, like, what was the difference from the complete network to one station when you guys were carrying all the playoff games and when you all made the championship? And, man, it basically was the flagship station, and everybody else got pulled away to the national feed, and then the same thing with the Super Bowl when you all made it there. What was the difference from having the whole network where you carried the whole pregame show and then yeah. the national network just slid in and took the rest of your broadcast and y'all just carried it on one network even though you guys kept the same billboards. Yeah, we did the exact same job, but obviously we were aware that uh, it was just the one station carrying the game itself. We were able to feed our full regular network an hour of pregame and then a half hour after the game ended, we got our network back. And, you know, the game got over about nine, and we stayed on the air till midnight uh, <laughs> under the circumstances. But, uh, 
Uh, I mean, we, you're aware that you're not in, you know, Iola, Kansas, and Marshall, Missouri, and, you know, sure. wherever on our network. It's just mm-hmm. the nation, but it, it, it was Kansas City, and that's the, the main station. And um, a lot of people were upset in the outlying area that they couldn't get our <laughs> broadcast, and that, you know, that's gratifying that they, they get so attached to, to Mitch and, and the people that do the broadcast that they want to. Uh, wanted to have that, but it, it's a good problem to have when your team goes that far that uh, becomes exactly. a all situation. Mr. Haynes, it's been above and beyond a pleasure to do this with you and hopefully get a chance to do another interview and hopefully maybe sometime soon down the road we can catch up soon, hopefully. Sounds good. Luther, my pleasure. Anytime. Uh, thank you. Yes, sir. And that was the voice of the Bears, Art Haynes and we got into the Chiefs, and we got into the Missouri State Bears, and that will do it for the Blind Broadcaster Pod interview number one. If you enjoy this podcast, please, please subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word to your friends, family, and everybody that would want to listen to this podcast, and stand by, we will have more interviews and more fun. On the Blind Broadcaster Pod. You just have to wait and see who the next guest will be for episode and interview two. So until then, this is Luther King reporting for the Blind Broadcaster Podcast. Have a good day, everybody. And you can catch all the podcasts on your favorite podcast platforms Spotify, Apple Pod, Stitcher, Google Play and wherever you get your podcasts.